This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. What is crackalacking, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli, coming at you this time without my co-host, Adam Brommel. We are continuing on with our loaded podcast, and I will say this one is mega loaded, so I won't waste any time. We're first speaking with Salman Ali. He covers the Houston Rockets for ESPN 97.5 and also hosts the Red Nation Hoops podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Salman Ali NBA. That's at S-A-L-M-A-N-L-A-L-I-N-B-A. Um, after we speak with him, we are going to talk with Tara Bowen Biggs about the Portland Trailblazers. She is a co-host of the We Have a Take and Step Back Sisters podcast. Follow her on Twitter at TCBBIGGS. Then after that, we have a dual podcast with co-hosts, both of them from the Timeline Pod, which is also hosted by Blue Wire. We have Mike Vigil, follow him on Twitter at Protected Pick, spelled exactly as it sounds, and Sam Cooper at S-C-O-O-P-E-R-H-O-O-P-S. We're talking all things Phoenix Suns leading into the regular season. As always, we are putting out a ton of content, this pod in total, while there will be timestamps, and I encourage you to jump around. Uh, it's running over four hours long. That's all I could say. But we're getting to James Harden trades with Salman Ali. We're covering the Suns with Sam and Mike, and then we're talking all things Blazers with with Tara. This is going to be a fun one. Please subscribe to us. Download all of our episodes. That's why we're putting out so much content wherever you're getting your podcast. It helps us. Whether or not you're using iTunes, though, please head over there, search Hardwood Knox, throw us a five-star rating, write a review, even if it's constructive criticism. We also appreciate that. I will not delay you any further, though. We are going to once again begin Salman Ali to propose many, many James Harden trades. Then it's on to Tara Bowen Biggs. We will talk all things Blazers. And after that, with Sam Cooper and Mike Vigil, we're talking everything and anything Phoenix Suns. Solomon, welcome back to the Hardwood Knox podcast. I think it's your third or fourth appearance here of the offseason. And I think I've been on your podcast two or, or three times. I don't know why. It's not like there's been anything to talk about with, with the Rockets. But um, how They're are just you? just this boring, like, just like like box of vanilla ice cream like team like nothing ever happens they're it's basically like, the spurs like just nothing fun right, ever happens there right. yeah they don't make trades they don't they don't go after free agents they, they they nothing no drama happens within their organization they're just boring a very stable organization too. um how are you doing tonight since we last spoke which i think was less than 24 hours ago as of this moment um I guess I'm doing all right. It's just, there's just a lot to, to keep your eyes on, right, with this team. Like, whenever you cover a team like this, like, with just so many instability. Like, like, we started – I mean, I guess we can talk about uh, the prior podcast. Like, we, we were talking about for the Rockets, like, who they would sign for the taxpayer MLE. Right? Right. Like, that, like that, that's the kind of stuff we were talking about. Or would Rockets. they even use it, yeah. Right, and – they start the offseason. Mike D'Antoni goes down. Terrell Morey goes down. Russell Westbrook goes down. And now James Harden might go down. Like, that, that, that's how far we've come uh, this offseason. And look, James Harden did show up. That, so if you, you should listen to the Red Nation Hoops podcast. I plugged it in the um, intro that you all just heard. Um, but go check it out. We just recorded one on the John Wall fit with, West, um, with Harden if he plays um, without Harden. Should they move him? Um, so we broke that all down. We did talk about the James Harden situation a lot. As of that moment, though, and that's where we're, we will pick this up, he had not reported to the Rockets. And then on Tuesday, he did report to the Rockets, got tested 
for COVID. So he's in Houston now. We we are we have ascertained that he wasn't in Vegas, or at least I guess maybe he could have jet set again. Who knows at this point? But as of right now, we believe that James Harden is in Houston, still wants out of Houston, but he is in fact in Houston. That's where we're at, right, Thomas? Yeah, he's in Houston. He's taken his first COVID test. Uh, to my knowledge, he's come back negative, but we, you know, who God knows. I mean, he's been out in Las Vegas and Atlanta without a mask. So he needs, I think, I believe he needs three negative COVID tests before he's, he's able to be with the team or 10 days away from the team. So I'm guessing the Rockets are hoping that he gets three negative tests back to back to back. He's probably going to miss the first preseason game against Chicago. Uh, so the Rockets are hoping to get him back for that second preseason game. And we'll see if he's engaged with the team at that point. Can you hear me? Oh, sorry. I was on mute. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah. Can awesome. You? So I, it would be par for the course of this whole situation if he gets two negative tests back, then like, a, then like a positive, and then he tests negative again, but then he like leaves the market to go hang out somewhere, and this whole thing just starts all over again. That would be par yeah. for the course of what's happened so far. I mean, it, like, my question is, like, why hasn't the league said anything? Like, <laughs> this guy was out in, in two different cities. And, well, like, th- I think the protocol was that everybody had to be in camp by tw- the 28th, right? The, their home city by November 28th. And they had to stay there for a week before they started training camp. And they had to have individual workouts and stuff. And he's just skirting by all these rules. Like, n- no one's even giving him a slap on the wrist at all. He's, he's just getting a beating from the media. That's it. No one else has really cared. So the way I read it, and if they had a specific date where, like, you had to be there and not just expected, but the way I read it was that while you were in your home market, you couldn't go to clubs or all these places. And so if Harden's loophole was, well, then I'm just going to go to Atlanta and Vegas because it's outside of the Houston market, and that's how he's, like, flying under the punishment radar, I don't I don't know. Um, maybe the league doesn't want to intervene because it doesn't know what to do because anything it does do is going to be... Like, just add fuel to the fire and maybe make it's this It's going to look very heavy-handed, right? Right. Um, so, but if you want to listen to, like, the more nuanced breakdown of everything that's happening, go listen to that Red Nation Hoops podcast. We are just here because I came up, as I told you, with 14 James Harden trade packages across 12 teams. And we want to make this clear. Um, Salman's going to shoot them down, say what needs, <laughs> maybe more needs to be added to them. Um but I personally, and Solomon personally, we don't endorse these. These are just the ones that I came up with. I tried to find teams that I could talk myself into trading for James Harden and giving up like close to what Houston's asking price is. I'm not assuming that they're going to get lowballed and bite the, you know, the, the metaphorical bullet on a James Harden trade. So that's how this was done. And I think the best place to start is actually in Philly because it seems like uh, the bar is going to be, can any teams give the Rockets an offer that would beat um, an offer down the line from Philly that includes Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons? To me, because that's why you would wait if you're Houston. I wouldn't want to drag this out. I said on your podcast, um, I thought my gut said he had played his last game for the Rockets. I think that's probably overwhelmingly going to be wrong now, unless this podcast, like our other five this past offseason, gets blown up momentarily. So if you wait, if you're Houston, you wait to see if the Sixers are willing to give up one of those two stars or if a team can come in and actually beat or at least rival what a package with Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons would be. Do you think that's like a a fair line of thinking to approach this with? Right, and I think the Sixers want to see what they look like this season with just Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid in space. I think that's been Maury's whole talking point this entire offseason, and it makes sense, right? Like, they, they were really good, like, two years ago when they had a normal functioning roster, and now they're, they're, they're you know, they spent the past two years with, like, a very crammed paint, uh, no shooting whatsoever except right. for J.J. Redick a couple years ago. They haven't really had you know, significant space for these guys to operate. And now they have a normal, like, good-fitting roster. And I think they want to see how, what the ceiling is with this team. This is a very important, like, year four for Embiid and Simmons. Like, year four, I think it's always a pivotal year when you're talking about, like, young superstar pairings. I, I remember year four for Bradley Beal and John Wall being pretty pivotal. And, like, we were, like, wondering whether or not that was going to be a year. They thought about whether or not they should go forward with this core or break it up. And I think that's going to be something, you know, the Sixers talk about this season. Like, what can the what can the ceiling be for this Sixers team? Can they get to that high 50s, you know, win threshold? Or are you really talking about them as a title contender? Or are they still going to be like high, like high 40s, low 50s? And if that's the case, you have to probably move for 
uh, you you probably have to move forward and try to improve on that core and by flipping one of these guys. And the other reason why you want to wait is while Harden is better than both of them, the separation is like I would say Ben Simmons is no worse than the twentieth best player in the league right now. I'd probably have him in the top fifteen, and then Joel Embiid is probably somewhere like top twelve. If you could count on him being healthy, maybe he's top eight. So like you're the difference between like Harden, yes, he's a top three player, and there's a huge difference still between that. But like you have these guys, they're both top 15, top 20 guys. Joel Embiid is only 26 with three guaranteed years left on his contract, no options. Ben Simmons, 24, five years left on his contract. I don't believe he is a player option. So Harden is 31, correct? I think he's 31. He's not 32, is he? Yeah, he's 31. Yeah. So he has two years and a player option left on his deal. And the expectation is he's going to opt out after that, or you're going to need to uh, extend him. So there's a risk involved in getting him, even though he's the better player. Uh, But that also makes like, let's say, so we're fast forwarding and saying it's not working or it's not working as well as Philly would like. And so they're deciding they're going to trade for James Harden. Uh, If I'm Philly, so I'm going to start here. I would prefer to trade Joel Embiid. He's older. He might be the better player right now. Um, I know Ben Simmons, in theory, needs to be more ball dominant, but like Joel Embiid is not the most like efficient pick and pop um, option or even roll man. So like you still need to give him his post ups or his face ups. Um, I think Simmons might be better suited to be the roll man next to Harden. And so one, do you agree with that logic? And two, if the Sixers and the framework I have for each of these deals is Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons and then Mike Scott, like that makes the money work. But if it's Embiid that's going to Houston. One, is Houston even interested in that, or does it have to be Ben Simmons or Bust? And then the third part of that question is obviously, what else needs to be attached to the Embiid-Mike Scott framework for Houston to bite? So I've been perusing uh, NBA Twitter just to see what other people think about this kind of trade, right? And I've been seeing this a lot, right? Like, j- like Embiid should be the guy that, that gets flipped. And I just... I, I like. Houston would be doing front flips if they can land Embiid. Like, I think the difference between Embiid and Simmons right now, just from what they've seen from them, like, I have confidence that Embiid can someday be the best player on a championship team. Okay. Maybe not now, but later. And I don't have that same confidence from Ben Simmons yet. Like, I think Ben Simmons has a ceiling for a top 15 guy. I don't think ben, like Joel Embiid can be that guy. And I actually believe the fit with uh, with Harden and Embiid is a little cleaner than Simmons and Embiid than, than uh, Simmons and Harden. And it's one of those things where like I think like when you have Embiid, you just have to surround him with floor spacing as much as you possibly can. And I think you know what that team is really missing is they just need a perimeter guard that can score and be a playmaker and be a, you know, be really dynamic on the perimeter. And that's what they hoped Fultz was going to be, right? Like that's, that's the whole theory in drafting Fultz. And I I don't blame them at all for trading for Fultz. I thought that was the right decision at the time. It just blew up in their face. It happens. Right. Yep. And I, I, I think, I think if I were them, like if, if I get another good, you know, season of good health from Embiid, I think I feel pretty confident moving Simmons. I think that's the big the big thing though. I think I think if if you're Philadelphia, like if you get like a you know sixty game season from Embiid, uh, a fifty game season from Embiid, like yeah, maybe you decide we want to keep Simmons. Like screw that. Like we're we're, we're just gonna roll with Harden as our best player and mm-hmm. Simmons as our number two guy, which makes sense. But you know it's 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 a risk because I I think you and I agree like. Embiid's probably the better player, and we both probably view him as being the better player moving forward. See, I think Simmons has a chance to usurp him, but that there's wow. Embiid okay. is better. Just, I mean, you look at what he's able to do on defense. Um, you couple that with his playmaking. Embiid, look, I know the Sixers don't play this way, but uh, he is only ranked better than the 30th percentile in Rollman um, points scored per possession once in his career. So I think there's like issues. Oh, they're not going to run pick and roll at all if they get Harden. I, I think it's going to be like straight up like ISO from both both of those guys. It's going to be pick. It's going to be uh, Harden isolating on the wing and post ups for Embiid. It's going to be a really ugly offense, but I think it can be really damn efficient because both of those guys are really efficient in those roles. See, and I'm trying to look at it as like if you were trying to build out like to do more stuff than just isolation. I like the idea of like having Ben Simmons, I feel like he long-term could be the better role man, but I get what you're saying. Like Embiid um, averaged 1.1 points per post-up possession, which is like actually pretty good offensively in general, not just for post-ups. So I I think there's an argument to be made each way. 
So let's start with Embiid then. Um, if you're the Rockets, aside from Embiid and the filler, which I'm using is Scott, what do you need in this deal to do it? So I think if if you're Philadelphia, you have all the leverage here, right? And so you use that leverage to be like, no, we're not trading you this godfather offer of picks. We're going to give you like a protected first round pick in the next couple of years, not one like four or five years from now. And we're going to give you like a swap the next, the following season. We're not going to give you, you know, like four picks and two of those are swaps and they're like four years out. Like we're not doing that. We're like, we're not going to give you the Brooklyn off. Sorry. Like we we're already giving you Simmons. We're already giving you your foundational piece. You guys have to figure out how how to fill out the roster around him. You guys have to figure out how to do the team building. That's not that's not on us to do that for you, right? We're like th- this is a pretty fair trade that the, that we're giving you. You're 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 not getting any player better than Simmons on the market. We're gonna we're, we're gonna stand pat here. That's what I would do if I were Philly, and I th- I think they'd probably get away with that. Well, I think they would too. So oh, you're on Simmons. So you're, if you hit the uh, excuse me, if it's Philly's already traded away, it's twenty. 25 first Oklahoma City in the Al Horford trade. So if it's a 2023 first round pick, let's say top seven protection, and then a 2024 swap plus Simmons and Mike Scott, is Houston doing that? That's enough. That's enough. Because again, like you're already get the, the the foundational piece is there. You have the picks coming in, and you know like they're probably not going to be like that pick is going to convey right. Like if, right. if you're getting James Harden, that pick is going to convey. And and well, so, unless he leaves in free agency. Because that would be the 2023 draft would be the first draft in which you wouldn't have had Harden in the preceding season should he leave. So I think I think you probably do this deal with the idea that Harden's probably going to stay. And yeah, the I mean, fact that, that would be the sorry to even interrupt, but that would be no team is making any of the deals that we're about to propose unless they have a feel that James Harden is going to be there for longer than two years. Yeah, and I, I think Philadelphia can confidently say that. And sure. I mean, because um, I mean, this report that came out today that he has added Philadelphia to his preferred destinations list. Um, I'm of the mind that it was probably always on there, like once he saw Daryl Morey going there, but was, he was probably trying to see if he could force the way to Brooklyn first. What happens if it's Embiid then going instead of Simmons? So I think Embiid is better, right? So I, and I think I think you, it's easy to build. I, I mean, for me, like I, I can see a team built around Embiid winning a championship. It's it's just um, you after that, it's on heart, it's on Houston to play the free agency game. And you know, open up cap space like a couple of years from now, uh, when John Wall's contract expires, uh, and get that second star, right? Or maybe even trade John Wall for an expiring, uh, you know, use your picks that you just got this summer, flip those for an expiring contract, play the free agency game next summer, and try to pair and bead with the star, right? Mm-hmm. And if I'm Houston at that point, I'm asking for less protections on that pick. You know, maybe it's instead of top seven protected, it's top four protected, right? Like you're not. Because you're getting you're getting the the yes it's the better asset but it's not the safer asset like Simmons is the safer asset because he does not have as extensive of injury history than uh, uh, he does not have as extensive of injury history as Embiid he has one it's not right. as extensive right? so if if I were Houston I would do 2023 top three protected 2024 swap Embiid and filler like the squad I'm just gonna say Mike Scott maybe there's more in there because Philly wants it gets like, it done yeah right I would do that if I was Philly. Now on the Simmons front, I am not. I'm probably wanting top ten protection on 2023, and I don't know if I'm giving the option of a swap. And if I am, I want lottery protection on that because Simmons is under contract now for five years, and he's so damn young. Like I would even start out like, hey, we're gonna give you. You want you want Matisse Seibel and Ben Simmons and Mike Scott. Like that's what you're getting. And if it gets to that point, like let's say it's even heavier protected. Um, let's say it's a heavier protected first plus Simmons and then maybe a swap in 2024. Is Houston saying no to that or are they still accepting that? Sorry, can you repeat the swaps and the protections again? So I'm going to say, let's say top 10 protection in 2023, 2024 swap, Ben Simmons and, and Mike Scott. Like if I'm Philly, that would be my top out offer. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Well, Indeed is here to help. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of, of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 
Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. So I would probably ask for 2022 if, if it's going to be top 10 protected, right? Like, well, like I don't want, if I'm Houston, like, yeah, like you're probably, you're settling with a protected pick, but you just do not want to play, like you don't want it protected far out because then it's like you might not get the pick, right? So, and and I wonder if like the, the, you know, the language on that pick is like, oh, if it doesn't convey, it's going to, the next year will be 2024 and top, you know, lottery protected or, and then the next year after that, it's going to be, you know, yeah. two second round picks. Like, I, I, I guess we can talk about that now. Like, do you think that, do you think it goes farther than that? It can't because of their 2025 commitment to Oklahoma City. So like that oh, would be right, the risk on right. Houston's part. So it's you would need, so right. you're saying 2022 unprotected and then a 2024 swap is what you would ask for in the Ben Simmons situation? Well, I, no, you, you asked for, I, I think, I think you have to settle for protections. Whatever, because like you're not going to get a pick that's not protected on Houston's front. I just, I don't think Philly, do, Philly does that. So but, personally, I, I mean, I guess you could be concerned about um, Embiid's injury history and what would harm to alone. I would be willing to, if it allowed the Sixers to keep their 2023 pick um, and you could do, you know, if if I could do Joel Embiid or even just Ben Simmons, then an unprotected 2022 pick for James Harden, and then again, plus the salary to make it work, I would actually absolutely do that if I was Philly. And this is this is Embiid, right? Oh, or or Simmons. Like if you're telling oh, me you're oh, letting so it you're, convey you're in 20... about Simmons, okay. So um, it, um, I think because from Philly's standpoint, you know you're going to have James Harden through the 2021-2022 season, and so there's yeah. less of a risk of giving up that unprotected pick that year. So. This trade, theoretically, are you proposing this with the idea, with the knowledge we know now, or like this is a season from now when you realize they're not good enough, right? Or that you need to change this core up? I'm viewing everything through this season's lens, like whether it happens tomorrow or, and I guess if it's happening in the middle of the year, Philly's decided they're not good enough. Maybe that gives Houston a little extra leverage, but I don't know how much because like when you look at the contracts and age of these guys, I really do think it benefits Philly no matter what. Yeah, and, and I think I think that that's where I'm at if I'm Houston. Like if if I'm if I'm not getting the picks that I want or if I'm not getting the language in the picks that I want, I'm probably waiting a little longer cuz I think that deal is always going to be there. I really do. I mean, um I I, I guess it, this really depends on whether or not you believe that Simmons and Embiid is a good fitting core that can win a championship together. And I'm still, you know, I don't know. Like like I I I think one of those two guys can be you know, a, a core part of a championship team. I think you and I agree on that. Yes. I'm not sure if together, you know, just two non-shooting pieces anymore. Like, I don't think, you, like, that's why the Rockets did microball last year, right? Because they couldn't have Capella and Westbrook on the floor anymore. I think in the modern NBA, you need four shooters on the floor, period, point blank. And I think I think it's very hard to, to build a team if your, two, your two-star players can't shoot. And so I think... If I'm Houston, with that knowledge, I think my offer will get better if I'm waiting. And I think those picks, or the, I can get the protections I want on those picks and the language I want and the year that I want if I wait a little bit. Yeah, I think it probably helps them that Philly already traded its 2025 pick because Houston can't trade for an imminent pick with the possibility of it turning into seconds in 2024 just because Houston has uh, Philly has the obligation to... OKC. And so that makes it more likely that whatever pick they get is unprotected because Philly needs to make sure that it conveys um, by 2023 because of that commitment to OKC in 2025. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like overall, like I, I like the framework for this trade. Like, like I think I think what we're, we're talking about semantics at this point when we're talking it's a about pick and a swap plus one of those players, basically. Right. Yeah. But like I, I think this this uh the framework of this trade is pretty acceptable acceptable on both ends. I, th- I think both teams probably do this. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, 
division odds, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This next team is the least interesting team to me just because Harden has asked to be tra- traded to them. Uh, but I think the trade, as of right now, um, this is just what I'm using to start, is James Harden goes to Brooklyn for Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Rodion's Kurutz, Karis LeVert, an unprotected 2023 first-round pick, a 2024 first-round swap, an unprotected 2025 first-round pick, and an unprotected 2026 first. Well, it's a first-round swap, unprotected in 2026. Yeah, so I, I, I'm glad you included these all unprotected because it was all like when people talked about this trade, right? And like I, they made it seem like it, like their Houston was going to do this trade for for Dimwitty and Levert, and that's not what this trade was about. It was always <laughs> going to be about the picks, right? Like like these guys aren't the fundamental pieces of a championship core. Like I mean, like they're not going to be like, like I don't know. It really depends on how you feel about Karis Levert. I I don't think he can be like the, one of the two best players on a championship team, right? Like I think he's a nice player. I like him a lot. He shot like fifty percent true shooting last year. Like he's he's nice. He's a good player. I don't think he's like. You know, I, th- I don't think I don't think he's a building block piece. Yeah, I think so. It, there's some similarities with the way the Pelicans handled the Lakers stuff, where they got there would be like one cornerstone option, which was Brandon Ingram to me, and then it would be Karis LeVert in this situation. But that that's probably more of a stretch. And then you have some intriguing young guys like in Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball. But you're about to, and I think Lonzo Ball is more intriguing than Jared Allen. But these younger guys are all nearing paydays, and like Spencer Dinwiddie's older, but he's a player option for next season. And so what you're doing is you're betting on the predominantly, let's say, the one player here, which is Karis LeVert, um, because he's under contract for a while, and in Brandon Ingram's case, he was going to be restricted, yada, yada, yada. And then you're betting against the good, the team's future that you're trading a superstar to. And that's what you're effectively doing here for Houston. I think it's Karis LeVert, and you want those picks. And what's intriguing to me about this framework, if I'm Houston, insofar as I'm willing to deal him or, or I like Karis LeVert, who... I think he's a really good passer, and the fact that he shoots so well on off-the-dribble threes, his true shooting percentage might be lower, but off-the-dribble threes are like V-shot right now to help build around an offense. His fit with John Wall, though, could be questionable, just like it's questionable with Kyrie and KD because he needs to play off the ball, but I think he's on a good contract and a good player, but he's at that weird age, 26, where he's like not young, but he's not old. But you're betting on those picks, and the first of which here conveys when technically um, Kevin Durant, after Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden all have their player options because they have those, um, if I'm not mistaken, they're all 2022. Uh, they're all 2022 player options. And so if like theoretically, if they lose one of them or two of them, or if Kevin Durant's a shell of himself, like you're in a position to where now you have this unprotected pick where perhaps Brooklyn has lost one or more of its big three. And yeah. Now, so, Oh, go like, ahead. Like, no, so like like what I was gonna say is I I understood what you were doing when you started with twenty twenty three. I still think if I'm Houston, like listen, you're not giving me any like foundational piece up front, like straight up, like none none of these three guys I view as foundational pieces. So I want those picks to even be farther out if I'm Houston. I asked for a twenty twenty four and beyond, or even if I, so, I doubt this, like I doubt this will happen, like even twenty twenty five if you could get it, right? Like I think I think you start like if if you're Houston. You ask for those picks to be as far out as humanly possible as you can possibly make it go with Sean Marks, right? And I think I think that's because that's the that's the offer. Like that that's this whole trade is not centered around Spencer Dimwitty. It's centered around these picks. So if I'm Houston, I'm trading you one of the thirty greatest players of all time, uh, in his prime, uh, you know, a walking fifty win season in James Harden. I want like a good, healthy sum of picks back. So, all right, so let's play this game. If they move it to, if they start it in 2024 with a swap and they're willing to do a 2027 unprotected pick and now you've lost that 2023 first, does that make the offer a lot more intriguing to you? Or is it still, hey, we'd rather just wait and see what happens with Philly? Yeah, so like if Philly's on the table, I'm taking that Philly offer anyway. Hey, let's, but just, but, let's just but say like, that, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. We're like in, in like a vacuum. Like what we're talking about is like, you know, four picks, two of them being swaps, two of them being unprotected, like in a vacuum, that's an acceptable offer. If those picks are far out, I think, and surrounded by these three players, like, I think it's an, a, cause I think these players are going to be, you know, pressed to eat into the sun. 
like what I mean by that is they're going to be traded for first round picks uh, as well. So these like Spencer Dimwitty, you could you know by default call him a first round pick because Houston's going to trade him in the following trade deadline, like straight up. Like he he is not going. The Rockets are not going to let his contract expire. The Rockets are going to trade Spencer Dimwitty the following the following trade deadline if they do this deal, right? What? I mean, sorry. Oh no, I agree with you. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, so like, it, like if I'm Houston, like I, I, like I, I, with all that in mind, I just, I, I think you would wait and see if Philly is interested uh, in putting, you know, Simmons or Embiid on the table. But if if they aren't, this is an acceptable offer in a vacuum. But we're not in a vacuum, right? You have to consider all these other offers. But this is an acceptable offer as long as it, as long as that trade is starting in 2024. Not 2023. So, so you're talking. Is, Go ahead, sorry. is there anything Brooklyn can do? To, like, let's say Philly stances. We're not dealing any one of them now. If we do, it will be at the beginning of March or closer towards the trade deadline when we have a better idea of what our team is. Is there anything the Nets can actually do to make a trade go through before then? Probably not. So like, I mean, even like, if they were just like, let's say the framework I have right now, 2023, it starts there, but they're also willing to include that 2027 pick. So now you've ended up with five first oh, yeah. three first and two swaps are you doing that maybe i mean i don't know like that that's pretty far out what you're talking about a 2027 pick i mean they might be a legitimate like top 10 in the lottery team by that point and you know i, I have no idea how far far out these front offices scout uh, i don't i don't know how how good that draft class is but generally if you're getting a top 10 pick back in a star trade that's good um i don't know like i i, I think i still wait on philly just because, like, I know, like, Simmons is such a known quantity. Like, like, you know, what you, what you pointed about, what you pointed out earlier when we were talking about the Sixers and, like, him being still so young and still such a known quality, quantity. Like, I think that was a good point. And I, I think that's what makes him the most tantalizing trade piece. And I think I still would wait till March. And I, I also, like, on Houston's end, I want to see how this team looks. And I want to know if there's a 5% chance I can keep James Harden. That's right? a good. That's like I, that is part of the calculus. You are right. Yeah. So I, I and I think um, I think I think at that point, if you start the season off pretty well, like your leverage goes up. So I don't think there's anything Brooklyn can do to top the Sixers if the Sixers aren't throwing in, uh, you know, anything, uh, anything other than just picks. Like I, I think, I think at that point you're just waiting if you're Houston. Yeah, and there's nothing else the Nets can do beyond including that 2027 pick. Like that would be the. Like they include that, like that's what you can do. And I think what you could do in Houston's part, I'd actually probably do it if I'm Houston, to be honest with you. Um, just to bank it, just because you know it's a good offer, you just want to bank it in. If they include 2023 and 2027, I do it in a heartbeat just because I think there's a chance this goes bust, like in some form by 2023. Like I don't think you need to go that far out. So that's why I would do it. Um, I do get the argument though. If you're Houston, you want to see if you can convince Harden to stay, and then if Philly's string you along, I think you could take the stance of, well, if this Brooklyn offer is here now, why won't it be there in March? Because what are the odds that they've outperformed expectations so much that they're not willing to make the deal? Yeah, and you're and you're talking about, by the way, you're talking about controlling any of these deals, controlling a team's draft like for four or five years. That's insane. Like, chances are one of those picks are going to be lotteries, lottery picks, regardless. Like, it, it just unless you're the Spurs, like, it, like one of those picks are going to be lottery picks. Uh, and it's it, like I think that that that's what makes this offer so tempting is because like you're you're guaranteed at least one lottery pick in our in any of those picks, probably 2025 and 2026. Because I think KD is still going to be pretty good in 2023 if they can retain him. But I mean, that's a pretty good starting point. And I, I but. That's all it is. If I'm using, that's a starting point. And I think, if, I think this offer has probably already been pitched without, you know, picks so far out. Like I think that, like they've already pitched Dim, Woody, and Levert. I'm sure. Like I'm sure the those guys have already been pitched along with one pick. I mean, they so, need Allen, Dinwiddie. I mean, Torian Prince could be thrown in to help to make the money work. But like this deal, Allen, Dinwiddie, Kuroots, and Levert, like it just barely makes the money work for Brooklyn. So like yeah, that Harden makes so much. I, yeah, that's the other part of this. It's like like you have to include a lot of players functionally because Harden makes so much money. Right, and so like I can't imagine that. I don't know that Houston's really interested in Jared Allen, but like you want him in this deal just because he's 
and that's his another best pick. Pro- yeah, another first pick, another first round pick. So it's like Dinwiddie, Allen, and Lavert has been pitched. Maybe the fourth player is Prince as opposed to Cruz, but like, f- like the framework of this deal has been pitched. Like we just know that for a fact. Yeah, for so, sure. And I, I think the only thing like that hasn't been pitched is I don't think what the Nets are offering is on protect. I think that they've definitely tried to play slick and protect these picks just so they can have the leverage later on to unprotect them and just up their offer. And that's, look, that's the risk Houston runs too, is that the offers could theoretically get worse if they don't play well and Harden becomes this malcontent and more of a distraction. There's risk on both sides. I think, I don't think there's much more harm in them waiting, to be honest with you. Um, no. but there is risk. They're, they're on at there. the bottom of the barrel right yeah. now. Well, look, if you're trading him in March, it's a year and a half of James Harden. It's a season and a half of James Harden as opposed to two seasons. And that certainly matters for some teams. Uh, maybe that doesn't matter because we don't know how many teams are going to come to the table, but like there could be other teams that are just like, you know what? We're going to take this first round pick from 2027 or 2026 off the table because you waited too long or you guys are worse off and Harden's like wants out anyway. So they do run the risk. But I think for the most part, if Philly's stringing you along where you know that Simmons or Embiid would be an option potentially, it's most likely worth waiting, which is why, one, as we move forward, I'm really hoping to fuck you up. Like, I want you to just be mind-blown in some form. But I think all these – I'm looking at all these offers as Houston is considering them because they think that Philly's out of the question. So if you want to measure it against the Nets offer, I think is probably the best way to do it. Um, I don't think any of them – I see one – maybe two that might potentially be better than um, like Philly's offer, but it's just because Simmons and Embiid are such known commodities, it's tough to beat that. So I think if you're moving him elsewhere, it's because you don't think that Philly is an option. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and I think like, let me ask you a question, by the way. So like if you're the Sixers or if you're the Nets and you trade for James Harden, if any of these two teams trade for James Harden, are they immediately favorites in the Eastern Conference to win, to win the East? Like I, I, I feel like they are. One of these I don't know about Brooklyn. I just Kevin Durant's coming back from an Achilles injury. I need to see it. Like, and I, I'm yeah, not even trying to. I want to see their defense too, for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a look after um, after this theoretical trade um, for the Nets. Like, there's a chance that Brooklyn's best defender, aside from Bruce Brown, is Kevin Durant, which is Durant, probably yeah. an issue. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, mean, I guess you can have you know DeAndre Jordan, you know, defensive player of the year, Doc Rivers, uh, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, be a rim good enough to yeah. start over Jared Allen, apparently, too. For yeah, no yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. What, a, what a decision! What a decision by the Nets. They, they decide they basically parted ways with Kenny Atkinson because of that. I guess that's wild. Yeah, I think there's definitely other stuff. Like, it feels like that was the like that was just the defining point where it's like he was starting Jared Allen and then DeAndre Jordan's in the starting lineup the first game after Kenny Atkinson leaves. That's not a coincidence. Yeah, and 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 you know, fundamentally, the reason we're talking about a James Harden trade right now is because the stars have so much power in the league. This is also another example of that, right? Like they can just fire coaches now. Like that, that's just a thing they can do. Like no, we want we want Steve Nash instead. We we don't want we we don't want Kenny Atkinson uh, making his own personnel decisions. That's just a wild place we're at in the NBA. Yeah, and it's look, I think people try like champion player empowerment, which for the most part is fine, but. Player empowerment really applies to maybe 15 players in the league. Like, that's the thing. Like, when it comes to contract lengths, like, yeah, Marcus Morris can sign a one-year deal if he wants to for a balloon payment like he did last season, but... like Probably more like seven, and KD is definitely one of those seven. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, clearly. So just looking at what... The, and a Kyrie, they apparently consider one of those seven. That's why I said 10, because mm-hmm. I don't think he's one of the seven best players. And maybe when paired yeah. with Durant, it's different, obviously. Right. So are you ready to journey off the beaten path here? Let's do it. The next team up is Boston. And I think I start out by saying like, they're not getting Jason Tatum because I think the whole point you do this if you're Boston is to pair him with Jason Tatum. It's like why Brooklyn probably doesn't dangle Kyrie Irving in talks for James Harden. Right. I agree. The offer would be Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Carson Edwards and or Grant Williams, a 2024 first round pick, a 2025 first round swap, a 2026 first round pick unprotected, and a 2027 first round swap unprotected. Yeah, so like if if the, if this whole Boston thing works the way they want it to, the only good pick here could be probably 2027. And like I think the Brooklyn offered tops this unless they're throwing in Jalen Brown, which I'm not sure if you have that in this document. Like if they have J- if they throw in Jalen Brown, you're in the conversation. Like, yeah, that's what it's Jalen Brown, Smart, Edwards, or Grant Williams, and then four picks. The two unprotected in 24. 
and 26, and then two swaps, 25 and 27. And I think the reason this is one of those situations where I'm sure teams would haggle over protections on maybe the swap in 2027, but because Tatum's so young and Boston projects to still be so good by then, you can probably get them to maybe it's only like top three protection, or maybe it's just I have it as unprotected here. And so, yeah, if you're throwing in Brown, you you might even be be able to cut off a first round pick here. It might just okay. be three. It might just be like uh, two first round picks and a swap. Like I think that might be like because I, I I like Brown a lot. Like I think he could be you know maybe second third best player on a championship team at his peak. I, I'm not sure if he's there yet at all, but I but I really like him and I I think uh, he's he's a nice player to surround a trade around i don't think he's you know foundational player yet but you know i think i think he gets you in the conversation he gets your foot in the door i think i probably like this as much as i like the brooklyn offer uh, i'm not sure what you think about that because uh, we're fundamentally we're going to compare all these trades to the brooklyn offer right because yeah. that's the floor right and uh, i think i probably like this about as much as i like the brooklyn offer you like it i just cut off the 2027 swap at your what you said like you could probably cut something off so it would be no or you probably cut off early right if you're houston then that's what you would haggle over you you you'd haggle over no we don't want that for 2024 pick we want the 2027 the 2020 so- okay, yeah i'm cool. saying like, like you have leverage like you can you if you're boston you have leverage you don't have to throw in four picks so you uh, you're saying it, yeah i guess the sticking point would be let's say so let's say you end up at two picks and a swap if you're Houston, you want 2025 and 2027 picks with a 2026 swap, swap but they don't right. have, I think what the problem is they don't have their 2026 pick, correct? So you, I think that's why I built it like this. I'll look really quick just to confirm because we're all over the place here. They do not have their 2026 um, first. It's protected um, top four, but like you can't broker a swap like that. So you would have okay. to take um, the 2024 pick, 2026 pick, and then the 2025 swap. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. And I still think I think I like this better than the Brooklyn offer still with the two picks and a swap. Because you're getting Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown is really good, and he's what he does is he's plug and play like fringe stardom. Like he could be an all star, probably not in the West, but he could be. And he's proven that he can score a bulk of his points within the flow of the offense and handle some really tough defensive assignments. And so plug and play stardom, it's not the same as mega stardom, but I think it still really matters. Yeah, and I, I also think, like, you know, we're going to see a lot of Jalen Brown this year. And I, I think, you know, w- this entire offseason for Boston has been around Gordon Hayward, right, and the loss of Gordon Hayward. And I actually think they're two star players or, like, they're, you know, you know they're, they're core scorers. You know, you know um, they just have more oxygen to do more things offensively. And I want to see how Brown benefits from that. I want to see how he does with an increased workload offensively. Uh, you know, Tatum is obviously going to get his, but I, I, I just, I want to see what, I want to see how Brown does in that role. Yeah, they're going to need him to run pick and roll without Gordon Hayward there for sure. And with Kemba injured to start the year as well. Right, because if he potentially does really good in that role, I mean, like your offer gets better, right? And I, I again, I, 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 I'm actually curious if like Boston is interested in James Harden. I, th- I, I think they should be, but I'm, I wonder if they, if they I, are. See, I don't think I wouldn't necessarily endorse. I'd be okay if that's the move. This is the move that they made where we settled. I don't know that you have to think about it because like James Harden is that good, and look. But the problem is, like, you've paid Kemba, you've paid Tatum. Like, that's a lot of money committed to three guys. The flip side of that is if you have Harden and for some reason Kemba goes belly up for the last two years of his deal, like, it doesn't hurt you that much because you have James Harden. Yeah. You're going to feel it more if it's Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart there instead of James Harden. And, and again, like, like, and we're going to talk about this, I guess, when we get to, like, Denver. Like, is Denver on this list? No. Yeah. So I was just going to mention oh, okay. them as, like, I don't think just because Jokic has the ball so much, like, that's just one of the teams where I don't think – it makes sense to give up Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and a bunch of picks for James Harden. That would be the deal. It'd be Murray, another salary, Michael Porter Jr., and a bunch oh, of picks. I, I don't think I don't think they throw in Michael Porter Jr. at all. If if they're throwing in Murray, like it's it's one or the other, man. Like you can't have both. Like again, like Houston is such in such a crappy spot. They can't demand two young prospects with that. Like if they do, we're talking that we're talking about this trade as a steal. And I don't think they're—I don't think right now they're in a position to get a steal. They're probably in a position to get fair value, uh, like a decent haul. 
But just because of Harden's age and just because of the the mess he's causing right now, I don't think they can get two star prospects out of a trade. Well, so I, and then it has sorry. to be Murray just because of the money. It's right. I don't know, like you would have to get all sorts of weird if you're going with Michael Porter Jr. as opposed to Murray because that's a twenty five million dollar salary difference. And, and listen, man, like you know me, like we we had this pod. You you were on my podcast last time, and I talked about like I would just get crazy if I can pair Jokic with Harden. For the next two years, like you're like but, the reason like right now we're talking about the Western Conference as like the Clippers and Lakers and the Nuggets just made the Western Conference last year. Right. Like we're not talking about them as seriously as we need to, because we know like fundamentally they probably have a ceiling with this core because they just don't have like a, a strong enough, you know, like second. Like I like Jamal Murray a lot. I, I love what he did in the playoffs this year. I'm not sure if he's like a superstar, superstar player. I know for sure. Harden is that guy. And I know for sure if you can pair Harden with Jokic, you get to the top of the Western Conference. Like you're you're right there with the Lakers. I like I like the Nuggets a lot more if they do that trade. So if so then if you're Denver and you're making this trade, you know, before Jermichael Green can be moved and stuff like that, you're it's basically Gary at Gary Harris, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., and then I would say two um two picks and two swaps for James Harden. Yeah, I mean, I I think if you're throwing in Murray, like, yeah, yeah, I think it's fair. Well, that was with Porter. If that it's Murray, Murray, you're probably looking at Murray and, like, who else are you? Uh, Murray and, like, is it Murray and Barton and then two picks and two swaps? Like, does that get no, it done? No, no, you? You, you do not need to throw in that many picks. You do not. You're, you're giving them Murray, right? Like, like Murray, Murray is probably the only other player on here that sh- has shown, like, Simmons potential, right? Like, he's probably not as good as Simmons at his peak as Simmons is just so damn good defensively, but he, he gets to that 15 level pretty regularly. Right? So the, so then the framework then that we would land on for Denver is you're either moving Porter Harris and Barton, because that's what the money would dictate. And then, and then those picks. And then, and then with Murray, it's less picks, right? Two picks and a swap as opposed to two picks and two swaps. Right. And maybe, maybe even less than that, maybe even two picks or whatever, like, like, you know, one two unprotected picks instead of like one two picks in one spot like maybe you can get like that crazy because i again like if you if you throw in a star prospect you're just you with all these trades you just don't have to throw in as many picks yeah like you, that makes sense and I, while i get it um for denver i'd probably prefer to give up porter jr just because murray's so um, porter jr's good off the ball too it's just that harden we don't know like Jokic needs the ball to some extent even though he can play off it as well and like we just haven't seen Harden play off the ball basically at all since arriving yeah. in Houston, and so it seems like more of a risk for them than a lot of these other teams. That's fair. Like I'm the talent guy, right? Like I'm like talent, talent, talent. Figure it out later. Like that. That's that's how I always. Daryl Morey's like, rubbing off on you. Yeah, I mean that, that's how I've always thought about it, right? Like it's just like he's definitely a heavy influence in the way I've thought about team building, Daryl Morey, right? And I think I think if I'm if I can pair those two top ten talents. I, I just, it's just too tantalizing, right? And I understand Murray's Murray's the younger prospect, and I, I understand that you know you don't want to break up what you have going there. He's a homegrown talent. You, it, it's very hard to do. It's a very hard trade to do, especially coming off a Western Conference Finals appearance. But I still don't view their peak as getting to the NBA Finals. I mean, I don't know. I'm curious to hear what you think. Like, do you think they could get to the NBA Finals in this Western Conference with this core? Uh, I think they could. It's just a lot harder this side of losing Jeremy Grant. Just their defense is taking such a hit, and Harden's not going to help you there. And look, you don't if, think Jermichael Green makes up some of it? Not for what Grant can do, like positionally. I don't want Jermichael Green touching LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Fair. And look, the other thing with them is like if if for some reason you are doing the Michael Porter Jr. trade, like you're obliterating your wing depth because Barton and Harris are basically your only other wings and you need them essentially to make the money work. But you're also obliterating your headache, right? Like like he's the guy that's just like, what was his quote in the middle of the playoffs last year? Like I need, I need my touches or something like that. Like he said some, something weird in a press conference last year during the middle of the playoffs where like the nuggets were having a bunch of success and they just lost one playoff game or something. Mm -hmm. And like, he said something wild. I don't know what it was, but like, like he, he definitely seems like a guy, um, if if you if you could get like a star player out of him, you you do it in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, sweet. So I just realized something that's an error with the Nets trade. 
is that it would have to be a 2023. The swaps have to be exchanged. So I have a 2024 swap there. So I just wanted to clarify, the Nets would have to give up a 2024 pick. Then it would be a 2025 swap, a 2026 um, pick, and then a 2027 swap. Um, keeping track of the Houston's pick commitments make this so difficult. They did trade for picks, but it's because they're, those picks have protections on them as well. Like you can't really futz around like with those. So for anyone listening, I did catch that error. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and the, by the way, I, I, I understand we were talking about Boston a little bit later, like, but the reason I mentioned that is like the, I, I go into that with the same mindset with Boston, right? Like if you can, you, if you have the opportunity to pair Tatum with Harden, like you, you have to give that at least some heavy consideration, right? Like I think, I think Tatum has a, you know, really, really, you know, high, a really high potential, but I'm not sure if he has like best player on a championship team yet. Like level right. of potential yet. Like that, that's like, I, well, I, the I know other it's thing is controversial because he's done really well in the playoffs, but it's just, I'm not sure if he has that yet. The Kemba injury too makes it like if Kemba is fully healthy and you're not worried about his knees, Maybe you're probably less likely to be interested in James Harden in general. I think it becomes more intriguing because of the uncertainty now surrounding Kemba long term. Yeah, I think there's a reason they signed Teague, right? Like, I, I think that I think they knew some of this. They had some. Intel. Well, they also lost Hayward, and like they let Watermaker go. They just needed another playmaker in general. Right, but like I, I so like the Hayward thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Like I think the Hayward lo- loss is getting a little bit overrated because I think these other guys need more touches. Like I, I would like to see these guys with more usage rate, especially uh, Tatum, Brown. I, I think uh, where Kemba. it deserves to be criticized that if they really could have had Doug McDermott, Miles Turner, and a first round pick for Gordon Hayward, right? And they were like, "No, you need to give us Oladipo or TJ Warren instead." That's just wild. Hey, but, like but I would have taken got, Turner. They got this bloated trade exception out of this. So what? I, it really depends. Yeah, on, but they're hard like, capped, so they can't even like sure. really use it to the full extent. Right. Right. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about their hard cap. It's just, it's, whenever you do these sign-in trades, you always like limit yourself a little bit in terms of what you can do midseason. It sucks. Are you ready to move on to our next team? Yes, let's do it. It's the Warriors, and the deal would be Andrew Wiggins, Wiseman, Kavon Looney, Eric Paschal, the Minnesota pick in 2021, and then two additional first-round picks unprotected and two additional swaps that I think you would have to stretch out until 2026. So the, uh, the question I have for you is how good is Minnesota going to be next year? They're not right? going to be good. I probably have them as one of the three to four worst Western Conference teams right now. Because here's the thing. Whenever you add Rubio, he, Rubio, like, criticize him all you want. I, he has his warts. He just He's just good. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. 